I don't know if I'm expert on in this arena. I'm still slowly dabbling on this idea of whole life policy, and um, uh, and I think what attracts me the most is that the ability to use the money twice to build two assets rather than just once. Uh, you are very correct. The banks, the financial institutions, does not recognize dividend as much as they recognize incomes through salary. The other thing is, uh, if you do not do salary, you cannot create a pension within your corp. Hello, welcome back to our conversation with Cherry Chan as we discuss more aspects of the question, salary or dividends? How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for healthcare professionals where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Now, I've had, I did a podcast on RRSP and the RIF, and you know my opinion on that. I don't like the RIF, so if I don't like the RIF, I don't like RSP. That's not true. I still like RSP. I just don't like the RIF. So for some people say, I don't like the RIF, therefore I don't do RSP. I think that's the wrong thing to do. The other thing is uh, if you do not do salary, you cannot create a pension within your corp. And uh, I talked about that in my previous podcast on IPPs and also on PPP. So if you decide to do dividend and not do salary, you forego the opportunity of setting up a private pension within your corporation. Is that correct? I think so. It's the same similar similar um, um, criteria that you would have to uh, pay yourself the, the, uh, the salary to qualify for RSV contribution. So um, it's similar criteria. Uh, what I'm going to say is that there are other ways to save up that I just recently uh, dabble on. I'm not an expert in it. I'm sure you can invite the expert to talk about, which is life insurance policy, okay. the permanent life insurance policy. I, I love the fact that you said that because I actually have a whole slew of podcasts about whole life policy versus term policy. Now, when you talk about life policy, I'm assuming you're talking about perm, perm life and whole life. Whole life, yes, whole life. Yes, okay. So we are not talking about term life. So there's another way to save for the future, tax sheltered and tax free, not just tax sheltered, tax free in a whole life policy. And uh, the audience know my opinion on that. I'm very pro whole life policy. But I'm glad that an expert, someone who knows more than I do, agrees with me. It's always nice when someone agrees with you, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know if I'm expert on in this arena. I'm still slowly dabbling on this idea of whole life policy and um, 
and I think what attracts me the most is that the ability to use the money twice to build two assets rather than just once. And that's how I feel how I feel about this whole product. It's not really saving necessarily just saving for the future or cover ourselves just in case anything happened to ourselves. It's more for also building two assets at the same time. Yeah. Well, you know, um, my whole podcast on whole life talks about this, how, how many times we can use that policy. So the policy is obviously a death benefit. It's also a living benefit. It's an emergency fund, emergency fund. It's an opportunity fund. It's a, it's a retirement plan. It's a university tuition plan. Like it's a whole bunch of things that one can use the whole life policy on. So my policy does not invest in the market. My policy invests in just, uh, uh, I think it's a contractual obligation. It's the share of the mutual company. Oh, so, so you're, you're invested in a par, a participating. But, then, uh, but what you can do is essentially you can invest in it and then you use your income from your medical pra- uh, practice, invest in your insurance policy and then borrow it out and buy your um, stock that you like and then get your write-off as well as the growth within the policy, two assets at the same time. Okay, exactly. So what you're saying is uh, collateralize the cash value from, from the policy, take it out as a line of credit, use that money to invest in the stocks that you want to invest. The interest that you pay on that line of credit is actually tax deductible because it's used for investment. And so your cash value is not is not surrendered is collateralized so it continues to grow you get the tax uh, you get the tax deduction from the interest and you can also grow your money in the market as well so many many reasons why the participating life is a great great tool um, and when i talked about investing in the market i was talking about ul as well so universal life because nowadays universal life you can invest in a fund that is an ETF or index fund so you can invest in the in the Nasdaq you can invest in the S&P 500 you can invest in the Russell 3000 you know invest in anything you want most most insurance companies now UL offer those type of ETFs maybe that could be my second policy Okay, so now let's come back to the the meat of the matter here. We're still talking about salary and uh, and dividends. So, just in a little nutshell. Oh, I forgot before we go there. There's always an opportunity to do a mix, correct? So I can do a salary up to sixty two thousand just to meet the CPP, right? And or I could go up to a. I, I said 18% of your annual, how much would that means to equate to 27,900 to meet RRSP? So you can meet RRSP and meet CPP at the same time with that value. So what did we say? It was 18% of the annual in salary to equate 29,000. So 150,000, how much? $150,000 salary roughly. Okay. So divided by 0.18. Oh, isn't that 100? Yeah, 165. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if you wanted to meet CPP only, then you need to take 61,600 as a salary. If you want to meet CPP and RRSP, because that's what you would like to do, then you need to take 165,000. 
Now, if you live a lavish lifestyle and you're, you have, you know, multiple Bir Tory Birch and multiple Mercedes and a Maserati, and you need more money than that, then take the rest in dividend. So there's no reason why you cannot do both as a mix. And the reason you would want to do a salary is one, to meet CPP, two, to meet RSP, three, to have the childcare deduction uh, credits. And four, if you really wanted to do a pension within your corp, and the question is, why wouldn't you want to do a pension within your corp? Anyways, you should. Uh, but if you wanted to do a pension within your corp, then you need to take it as a salary. So at the end of the day, I think what I, I believe is that someone should at least take salary <laughs> and um, and to to forego the six thousand uh, dollars to to take dividend only I think it's it's uh, you're you're being uh, penny wise but pound foolish sometimes uh, very in a very nutshell what are the in your mind again just summarized what are the advantages of taking dividend other than that six thousand dollar savings are there other advantages? Um, so you don't have to do monthly uh, monthly source withholding. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a deadline to file that uh, to pay, pay that source withholding. It's every single month. Although you can choose to have quarterly remittance, but you still have to remit it. The deadline is a lot more stringent, and the penalty is a lot more punitive if you do salary. Now, uh, dividend um, is. Uh, tax once in the corporation. So when you pay yourself a ta uh, dividend, your um, your personal income tax side would be slightly less uh, than if you were paying yourself a, a salary. So that's something that you can think about as well. Um, I think as dividend on its own would not, like we mentioned earlier, would not qualify you to contribute to RSP. Uh, that's a huge thing. And you would not be able to contribute to CPP. But dividend is a lot more flexible. Now we do as an accountant from time to time use salary as a way to mitigate any income to um, that's over 500,000. I know some professional doctors, they make like grows anywhere north of um, 900,000, 800,000. So their net take home is more than $500,000. And even without any investment income, they would be subject to uh, the higher tax rate, which is 26% instead of the 12.2%. So typically what accountants generally in, uh, and even in my practice, we advise our clients to, um, to take income, to lower that net income to below, to fi below $500,000. And that's only salary that would allow you to do that. And dividend would not allow you to do that. Um, so that's some sort of like tax planning strategy behind the scene. Okay, so let me understand that clearly. Uh, so that for so the very, very high income earners above the 500, accountants would still suggest the person to take salary to reduce that uh, to lower than 500. Otherwise, anything above 500 will be taxed at 26.6%. Um, and so it's it's in their tax benefit to take salary and not just dividend for those very, very high income. Yeah. Okay. We Since we talked about the advantages of dividend, in a nutshell, what would be the advantages of salary? We talked about CPP, we talked about RSP, any uh, we talked about the child care credit. Any advantages? It really depends. Um, I don't know it well enough for uh, a lot of people. You mentioned earlier the um, the investment opportunities within building your in the 
individual pension plan within the corporation. That's one other advantage. Um, the other thing is um, because I'm also a real estate investor, a lot of the mortgage brokers out there would only recognize uh, income. And when you show them dividend, they don't like it as much and they ask a lot more questions. So that is something that if that's important to you to qualify for certain type of financing, that is something that you need to pay attention to. Well, that is, uh, that is extremely important, what you just mentioned there, because uh, you are very correct. The banks, the financial institutions, does not recognize dividend as much as they recognize incomes through salary. So if my strategy is to you know, I put a lot of my focus on real estate investment or type of investment that I need the bank to lend me money, uh, I need to show them <laughs> a salary. I can't just show them dividends. So that's a really important point because it really depends on what strategy I want to use in my investment. Uh, some people are, I mean, I've gone to the point that uh, we invested directly within the corporation and my bank look at my corporation's tax return, my professional corp to qualify as for financing. So to me, it's not as important, but to some people, especially if they want to start investing in real estate early and they invest in their own name that's something that you need to pay attention to for sure yeah and and it's not just uh investing in real estate for investment is some people want to buy a primary residence uh and yeah. so even just to buy a primary residence to to qualify for a mortgage they need to show salary very important point very important point thank you for for reminding us of that okay so we've talked about pros cons of each let's just finish wrapping this up you know we what what would be in your mind key features of you know of the mix of the blended uh, strategy salary and dividend uh, we personally we have a spreadsheet to calculate the perfect mix between the the salary and dividend uh, based on your objective uh, based on the maximum amount that you will receive as an individual or based on the minimum amount of taxes that we have to pay between the corporation and the personal name. So it's a very individualized approach and it really should go into an analysis on an annual basis with your accountant to determine the perfect mix between the two. Very, very important point. Thank you for making that. Kids out there, don't do it on your own. You may get hurt. Leave the leave it to the professionals. You know, you hear that on every single commercial. And I think when it comes to tax planning, it's the same thing. Make sure that you talk to a professional like uh, someone like Cherry uh, and make sure that, that what you're doing actually fits a broader uh, financial plan uh, that is... Uh, tax efficient. And again, don't try to save that $6,000 just for the sake of saving $6,000. It has to be within a proper future looking financial plan that makes sense for you and based on your strategy going forward. One last thing that I want to add is that if you are thinking of investing and you don't have to take out everything. I know we use numbers and you use all these like big names like Maserati, uh, Louis Vuitton, and I mean, you can choose to live also a very frugal life. And if you don't need $150,000, you don't have to pay yourself $150,000. And that helps you to achieve the maximum amount, to keep the maximum amount within the corporation to allow you to invest. Obviously, there is a minimum amount you should pay yourself. I think everyone should at least pay themselves $40,000, $60,000 minimum. But um, anything above 
and beyond is really based on what you really need in your personal life that's non-deductible. Anything that's deductible, you can just pay it directly in the corporation. Very good point. Very good point. And so I was talking about the Maserati and the Louis Vuitton simply because we as healthcare professionals, and I, I think I paint a very large brush here, but we tend to uh, overspend. We make, we spend more than we make. So, and what do we spend it on? Tory Burch and Louis, Louis Vuitton most of the time. And so I, I want to caution people from that. So thank you, Sherry, for talking about that, because that's the entire strategy of my podcast is please don't spend so much. Uh, just make sure that you have enough to live on. That being said, 40,000 buys you a bathroom in a condo right now in Toronto. So I'm not sure that 40,000 is reasonable either. So there has to be a happy medium somewhere. But your point is made. The point is pay yourself what you need and what you need doesn't have to be lavish and uh, keep most of your money in your corp so that you can save for the, for the future or devise a, some sort of pension plan or devise some sort of whole life insurance that allows you to save tax efficiently. So the idea is don't need to live a uh, lavish lifestyle. Okay, so... Have we exhausted uh, the question of salary and dividend in your mind? Or was there something else that we did not tackle? I think we cover almost all the bases. Perfect, perfect. So Sherry, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your insight. I've learned a lot of great new information today. And it was something that I didn't even think about. So thank you very much. And I'm sure my audience will uh, love this podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Okay, great. So thank you very much. And uh, that's it for this podcast. Thank you. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.